Welcome to Smart Branding, a podcast dedicated to branding, naming, and domain names. I'm Tatiana Bono, and with my guests, we try to help you create and grow strong, memorable, and meaningful brands online. I believe time is one of our most precious assets, and so I want to thank you in advance if you decide to spend the next 30 minutes with us. I promise to do my best to make those worth it. Let's go. So today my guest is Nick Link. Hi, Nick. Thank you for making the time. Hi, Tatiana. It's good to be here. Nick is an entrepreneur. He's passionate about improving higher education. Uh, he has studied computer science at the University of Michigan and later worked at IBM Research, where he became interested in artificial intelligence. And currently he's working on his own venture, The Residency. We'll talk about all of that, uh, but let's start with a little bit of a background first. Yeah, happy to. So I grew up in the Midwest of the United States, and like Tatiana said, went to the University of Michigan. So there I studied computer science and data science, and that's actually where I fell in love with machine learning and the AI. Um, I was always, had always been interested in psychology, so understanding how the human brain worked was fascinating to me. So once I learned about machine learning, it was like, oh, awesome. I can use my computer science skills and study how the brain works. Perfect. Mm. So I ended up doing research while I was in school using NBA player tracking data. So they essentially took a, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, the NBA has video cameras where they would look at individuals on the court and track where the players are going and keep tracks of the game score and fouls and stuff like that. So the goal was to try to make a machine learning model that could take in this information and then predict what's going to happen in a game um, wow. by characterizing the individual players and how things would happen if they matched up against each other. So yeah, did research like that in college. And then after college, went to IBM. There I was applying AI to cybersecurity and cloud storage problems. And also started to get into some more theoretical AI, which is exciting to me. Um, but ultimately decided to quit that job and start my own venture. I had always been wanting to be an entrepreneur. In college, I was joining entrepreneurship clubs, joined one of my friends or two of my friends to start a company actually at one point. Um, but school is always kind of the priority, so never mm. fully dove into it. And then like similarly after college, work was always the priority. So I would dabble with startups on my side, but never really made it full-time commitment. Um, so I was like, all right, if I want to make this actually happen and run my own company, I got to quit my job so that I can be fully focused on it. Mm. And yes, that happened about a year and a half ago. Um, it's been a long journey since then. <laughs> I've worked on, yeah, I originally had two ideas that I wanted to pursue. And I was like, okay, I'll pick one of these. Um, and ended up not pursuing either of those and worked on like four <laughs> other projects, <laughs> got really into web three, went down that rabbit hole for a bit. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I think that whole journey had kind of showed me, okay, what is the best environment for building a company? Um, and upon reflection, it was like, oh, I want to be living and building with my friends. That would be the most enjoyable experience. And I feel like I'd be a lot more productive. Um, and I think we'd all just accomplish more. So um, I was kind of reflecting. I was like, oh, I had that experience when I was in college. Now I don't have that. My friends are all over mm. the world. Some of them have families. They have jobs that they're like somewhat happy with and willing to keep <laughs> for the paycheck. 
Um, so I was just wishing, I wish we could have had that time in college to be more exploratory and be actually building mm. things while we were there. Um, so that's what ended up landing me on the idea of the residency, which is a new approach to college education that gives people a lot more freedom to pursue their passions in an environment where they're not at risk of ending up on the streets because they didn't make enough money mm. to sustain themselves. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's kind of a general overview of myself. So let's talk a bit more about the, the residency. Now, first question that I, I can't avoid since I'm in naming and branding. Why, why the residency? What was the reasoning behind the name there? Yeah, I can take you through the iteration if you want of the names that we came up with. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Unless it's like a thousand names. Yeah, yeah just three mainly. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, the first was venture years. So like okay. we're targeting entrepreneurs to start. So, and it was just a year long. Well, we wanted to make it a four year long program. So we're like, oh, venture years. It sounds kind of fun and exciting. Go explore your ventures. And like mm. go adventure out into the world. Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of hard for people to say. And okay. it was a little longer than we might want. And the years kind of put a time box on it. Mm. Um, when we might have multiple stages of programs. So we switched to Riven. R-Y-V-I-N. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. It was like thriving and vibing at Riven. <laughs> mm. So it kind of had some alliteration and like Riven isn't anything. Um, I've Googled it and there are some things that pop up like, oh, it's a name and it means this. And the descriptions mm. of the name are really awesome. It's like an innovator who's going to change the world. And I'm like, okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, but got a lot of feedback. People are, people were like Riven and like, what is that? And a lot of people didn't love it. Um, and an ex co-founder of mine also didn't love it. So I was like, okay, I'll like go back to the drawing board and try to figure something out. <laughs> I did have a list of like hundreds of names for sure. Um, but ended up coming to the residency because yeah, we're not a college. We're not an accelerator. Um, we're not an incubator. We're not a fellowship necessarily or like fellowship has some connotations that we're not directly associated mm. with. So we were thinking a lot about like, what do we call ourselves? Like what type of program is this? And we landed on a residency because we're providing housing for the people who come through the program and mm. yeah, residencies generally have that. So we're like, okay, previously I was calling it the Riven residency. And then mm -hmm. uh, I was one of the newsletters that I use is called The Information. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, oh, this is classy. I like their brand. This feels like professional. Um, mm. And I was like, what about just the residency? And mm. yeah, I liked it a lot. It just feels like kind of prestigious, which is somewhat relevant. It gets the point across to some degree, at least like showing that it's a program you go to and live in person. Um, mm. So yeah, that's kind of the general sentiment. So what do you do at the residency? What problems, oops, sorry. What problems do you solve and how, how does it generally work? Yeah, so problem solve. Our goal is to change the higher education system. So the, right now, there's a lot of problems with the college education system, at least in the US. 
Mm. Um, primarily, it's been getting more expensive and it's been producing worse quality. Um, yeah, it's been producing worse results for students. So, yeah, there's a lot of reasons for this. I think the biggest reasons are that the culture in the US is like you need a degree to get a good job, and that's how you'll be living a successful life. Hmm. And there's also problems with the accreditors. They there's also problems with the accreditors. They are making it difficult for new colleges to start, and mm. then that makes no incentive for the existing colleges to change because mm. they have little competition. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's a list of other problems and reasons for yeah. those problems. <laughs> um, so basically, our metric is like we are not going to try to change the system because it's so bureaucratic. People have shown mm. that's very hard to do so. There's been learning research out there in the world that has proven better ways to teach rather than lectures. And people are like fighting to get these implemented into universities, but it's just too bureaucratic. No one wants to change. Mm. So where our solution is let's build a new college experience and prove that our students are learning more. They're enjoying mm -hmm. the experience more and producing more value to society. So that's kind of like the general high level problem we want to solve. Um, our first implementation of that is creating a higher education experience for a niche group of people and like making it work really well for that group of people mm -hmm. and then scaling from there. Um, and our first niche group of people is founders. So specifically their problem is like they want to be building startups, but college is taking so much of their time. So mm. Yeah, that reminds we, me. Reminds me somebody from the beginning of this interview. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like selfishly building something that I wish I would have. Had. <laughs> yeah, one of my friends is like, "Oh, it's nice of you to like build something that's not for yourself." I'm like, "Yeah, it's something I wish I would have had." <laughs> and, well, then when you think about it, a lot of successful startups are exactly that because you really, really know, like you've experienced on your back the the issue. So you, mm -hmm. yeah, you're really passionate about solving it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what when I was iterating through a lot of ideas, it was like mm, none of these like captured my attention fully. But then when mm. I had this idea, it was like, okay, I'm spending all my time thinking about this and devoted to this, and the other problems just seem irrelevant. So I'm gonna fully focus on this. Mm. Um, but yeah, problems of the college founders currently. Yeah, college is too much structure for them. They hate going to classes. So what we actually offer to them is a year-long program where we pay for their housing, their food, their co-working space. And we give them a structure to build and learn um, without forcing them to take a set of classes in a particular style um, where it might be wasting their time. Mm -hmm. So the primarily the primary way people are learning in the program is through building. Um, like project-based learning has been proven to be a very effective way for people to gain a lot of skills in a particular field, like goal setting and time management and figuring out how to be productive, skills that are generally transferable to a lot of domains. Hmm. So project-based learning is kind of one of the core tenets of our educational experience. And for founders, it will be them building their startups. Um, and the other aspect, which is just smaller, in this first go around is learning um, more 
like you would by studying. Um, and so instead of doing lectures where you're having a professor teach everyone the same curriculum at the same pace, um, we do peer learning. So in that scenario, the individual decides what they want to learn and like exactly the curriculum they want to take. And we give them support to come up with this curriculum. And then they're matched with one other person who wants to learn the same topic. Hmm. Then they self-study using all the online resources that are out there. Um, I think that's a better way to study because now you can get the best professor in the world teaching you. Hmm. And also, I'll take another step back. AI is my background. Um, I feel okay not pursuing AI anymore uh, because I think OpenAI has got it covered and they... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so with the residency, I'm like... All right, what does the world look like once we have AI? And I think everyone will have a personal tutor um, because AI will be an expert and can teach you anything catered to your specific knowledge. So, yeah, as part of this peer learning experience, they're learning through online courses and also with the use of AI to answer any questions that they have. Um, and then at the end of this peer learning session, they actually teach each other what they've learned. And yeah. teaching someone has been proven to be the best way to retain knowledge. Um, so, yeah, I think like with that and like in the first iteration, people will just be doing this peer learning sessions for six hours a week and most of the time will be spent to building. But <clears throat> in the long run, I see people doing many of these peer learning sessions on several different topics if they don't know exactly what they want to be building yet. Mm. I, I like that. And I think there's a lot, a lot of space, generally, like historically speaking, uh, you, you just mentioned about education. That's like the bureaucracy and the legalities of it all are to blame for not just the, in the US, you know, there's, there's different levels of uh, different problems in different countries, but across the board, I feel it's very, very hard and slow for, for that whole system to keep up with, with what's happening. And now with AI, that's just even, you know, it's like completely out there. Like just the, 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 the striking conflict of, you know, what we're doing with AI and what kids are, like my youngest daughter, she could use a phone before she could speak. But in school, they still do PowerPoint presentations. It's like, <laughs> what, you know, what are we doing? So, yeah, definitely I can see the sense in, in startups like yours that are trying to, you know, solve that problem in a more creative and, if you like, free way. Yeah, I think teachers have a hard time changing curriculum because mm. for them it's like they've been doing it for years they have a curriculum it's been working to some capacity i don't know if they have the best feedback to say if it's not working <laughs> um mm. but yeah they're just comfortable doing that and then the new teachers come in it's like they inherit a curriculum from a previous teacher and it's like okay i'll just go with that especially mm. in the higher education systems, they want to be doing research most of the time, not teaching. So it's like, okay, let's just do the bare minimum for teaching and uh, let me focus on my research. Mm. Uh, and I think a problem with it is testing to some capacity. It's like the accreditation boards have a strict set of requirements. It's like you have to be spending this much time in these classes mm. and the curriculums get approved by boards. Um, 
So for a board to change that, they have to feel very confident that this new system is better. Mm. Um, even the focus, like like even as you're talking about it, and I have that uh, again. I have the same problem with my kids that that focus on the grades, the grades, the grades. It's like mm-hmm. you you're not there. Like I understand that it plays a role, obviously, but when you're that focused on the grades it's like no it's it's the knowledge and what you can do with it it's not even just Mm -hmm. because now you can you know like you say ask chat gpt or whatever before that you know google whatever Mm -hmm. you can get to that knowledge very quickly pretty much anytime anywhere so it's uh, yeah the the what what was the measurement of success and yeah achievement it's changing so rapidly and it's not all reflected in that system yeah um, and the testing is interesting it's like as soon as you say what you're going to be tested on now Mm. everyone's funneling towards that and it's going in the same direction but Mm. each person's unique and has different aspirations and it's like should they all be striving towards learning that particular thing Mm. in a certain way um and yeah i generally don't think so and i think that instead of having tests and grades we should have portfolios where Mm. people can create it themselves in their own unique fashion and present it online. And that would be essentially their resume showing their portfolios. Um, And I think that's more interesting because now as a recruiter, you're coming in and you're seeing, okay, what has this person done? What's kind of their style and what skills do they actually have? Mm. Versus if they just see a degree, it's like, okay, they went to lectures for four years. Mm. Okay. <laughs> nice. Also, another thing that you mentioned um, earlier, where where you said that uh, people can choose what they study, and uh, and it just struck struck me. Yeah, as uh, we have so many things now that are customizable that you can go and say, you know, I want that bit and that bit and that bit because you know mm. that that's what fits me. And why why can't you do that with education? Why can't you say, you know? for the person I want to be or the goals I have or the startup I want to build, I'm going to be needing those and those and those skills. And there is a range that you can say, I know I can be good at those and the rest I can delegate. But very rarely that range is something that you have as a classic degree, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think like this has somewhat been tried in the education system before, like Montessori education, Mm. where the individual just is, all right, I'm going to decide my own learning trajectory completely, and that will be that. And I haven't actually done Montessori or really, well, I've interviewed some people who have gone through it, um, but it seems like there's not enough structure to Mm. necessarily get people there. Um, Because I'm curious like why it hasn't gotten to mainstream adoption yet. Mm. and yeah i think there's needs to be some aspect of accountability that yeah i don't know enough about these montessori schools to be saying much but i think they're on a right trajectory and i think if we had a little bit more structure and accountability um that style of learning could really proliferate Mm. and you you said you're not into ai that much now or but still there's no way i think you can avoid that nowadays so how, how do you feel it is affecting it more more importantly will affect ai and do you how do you how does it affect what you do at the residency yeah like i said like i think the residency we're kind of imagining what does the world look like once we have artificial general intelligence 
which is mm. a computer as smart as a human. And I think that like there's kind of two routes that I think some people will go down each of these routes. Um, some will just get more addicted to their screens. They'll have personalized content being fed to them at all times. Mm. And it'll be so enjoyable. And they'll just be like, cool, this is easier than like going out into the real world and interacting with people. Um, people are already, already doing that with Netflix and TikTok. Um, so I think that's one route of how people will use AI. And I hope there's not too many people of that. I have a friend <laughs> who did the universal basic income study. So they just gave people money and saw what they did with it. And mm. he said that around 20% of people kind of took that route of just like being lazy and not doing much with their lives. So I'm optimistic that majority of people would do something interesting, even when we mm. have AGI. Um, and I think in that other path with AGI, like what it will be very useful for is learning. So like, it's fun to level up yourself, gain new skills mm. and get better at the things you enjoy doing. So I think learning will be super important. And then also I think creation will be super important. So being able to like, when you have an idea in your mind, being able to bring that into the real world is so rewarding. So I think AI will mm. help us be able to do that much more easily. And yeah, I think these are kind of two main buckets that people will be using AI for greatly. And so with that, the residency, we're thinking, okay, let's be using AI already to do those things, to help people learn and to help them build mm. their startups more efficiently. Mm. Um, so that's kind of like another core curriculum of what we're teaching at the residency. Um, yeah. Cool. And who you you said you're just sort of starting out and that's like the first batch, if we, we can call it, of, of residents. Um tell me a little bit more about that. Like who can apply to to be there and, and how do you see that panning out in the let's say this year? Short yeah. Version. yeah, it's 18 to 23 people. The application is live. So if you go to live the residency.com, you'll see it there. Um yeah, we've basically just been marketing so far on Twitter, where we kind of posted our mission in a thread and then shared it out with our network of people that we had been doing user interviews with um, and posted it in some communities. And I've gotten a lot of positive responses. There's been like 170 people who signed up and now people are applying. Um, and yeah, like, people are really talented. They, some of them have started companies and gotten acquired. Some of them have raised oh. funds. Yeah, people are at like Harvard, UPenn, um, Stanford, and yeah. They I'm almost like if you if you've achieved that already, why do you want to? You know, why don't you just like get on with your life? Like, why, why are you looking? And and then that's kind of I guess the question and the answer is those type of people that achieve things that are always looking to improve. Um, what was the question? Why are we? Uh, no, I, I was. It, it was a like a, a rhetorical question to to myself. Like, why would people that have already had a successful startup come mm. to you, for example? Yeah, mm. yeah. I think I guess it wasn't successful to the degree that they wanted. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, like the person who said he got acquired. I don't know how much it was acquired for. Mm. Um, but and all these kids are still in school. A lot of them. So. Mm. I think really the freedom of their time is the biggest drawing factor. 
like right now they have to go to classes and mm. they're like, I could be using my time so much more efficiently. This is frustrating to me. And you're like, oh, you're going to like pay for me to live my life for a year. Awesome. Mm. I'll totally take that. Mm. <laughs> um, because our business model is that we give everything for free. And in exchange, we take 8.5% equity in any startup that they build or come in with. Mm. Um, yeah. And just build during the program and half a year after the program. Um, so yeah, I think it's an awesome deal for people and people seem to as well. So yeah, current stage is getting the fundraising to make it happen. Um, so I'm in the process of doing pitch decks and all that right now and getting investors excited. <laughs> that sounds exciting. And what, what are, what are the criteria would you say? Like, what, what is something you absolutely look for, for people that are applying? Yeah, there's definitely a long list, um, but I'd say the top three are one that they're super hardworking. They like have a track record of doing hard things because they want to attain some goal. Two, they're very ambitious and self-motivated for something great. Um, so we want them to be doing something of big impact. And then the last is curiosity. So if they are knowledgeable about something, like how knowledgeable about that are they? What's their propensity to go deep into a topic? Mm. Wonderful. Well, that's been that's been fun, and I'm definitely going to be looking out for for how you develop. And I wish you good luck with all the pitches. But that's yeah, <laughs> that's going to keep you busy for for some time. Yeah, um, yeah my. My last question is usually what what are you up to like for this year? But I think we kind of covered that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I'll be chilling in San Francisco for a while. Before this, <laughs> I was nomading around the world for two years, and I'm like nice. done traveling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're gonna be busy there for a while. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. That's been fun. Yeah, thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Smart Branding Podcast. Feel free to visit smartbranding.com for more information and reach out if you have any suggestions, questions, ideas, or just want to learn more about how a good domain name strategy can help you build a strong and successful brand. See you next time.